Hi, my name's Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to Multiplier and I's series, Behind the Daw. In this series, we invite artists to open up emotionally, philosophically, and artistically. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our new YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. Also, within every podcast episode, we include a bounced and condensed version of the corresponding YouTube episode. But I highly encourage you to check out the full YouTube version. If you have any artists you would like to see come on the show, or if you have any feedback in general, you can contact me at Wyatt at musicandstuffllc.com. For episode 14, we have Johnny Third, and Johnny is a creative powerhouse. He talks about how he works for about 14 hours a day and never experiences burnout. I also found this extremely interesting that he talks about how he has been in the same relationship for 10 years and the hardships that he's faced with having to leave her from time to time in order to pursue his musical dream. We even got his girlfriend on the podcast explaining how she feels about Johnny's musical career. I just want to give a huge thanks to Johnny, as well as a huge thanks to you for even coming through. And as always, if you enjoy what you learn, you'd love to learn more, go ahead and subscribe and we'll see you back here next week. In fact, if you feel so inclined, we would love for you to leave a rate and review on iTunes. But for now, without further ado, here's Johnny Third. I just want to welcome everyone to episode 14 of Behind the Daw. This time we have Johnny Third. How are you doing, Johnny? Yeah, good. How you going, guys? And I also want to introduce my co-host for today, who is Cole Parkey. Thank you for coming through, Cole. He's going to be helping me ask a, ask questions to Johnny here, and I'm really, really, really excited. So, Johnny Third, the Australian man himself, is here, and I'm so excited. So, Johnny, for those who don't know you, tell us a, a little bit more about you and specifically your musical background. My musical background—it it started as an accident when I was like. 10. So you know how most kids get put into like, piano lessons and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, that's, oh, that was me, like to a T. My mum saw a news episode or something that says, put your kids into music classes and it'll help them at school. Like, I don't know why they say, said that, but they did. And then I would start a piano and then ever since then I just didn't stop music and I stopped doing school. Like, it was just the worst thing that could happen. Started playing piano, I was like 10, went to high school and picked up the saxophone. And then when I was about 14, I started playing playing guitar. That in itself is a is a funny story as well. Like you guys know Deep Purple, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So my dad was a huge Deep Purple fan. One night he's like, Johnny, tonight you become a man. But if they played this joke, like my parents are gonna take me to a brothel. And I was like freaking out. I'm like, what are you doing, Dad? We're driving for an hour to the city and we come to this place, there's like a huge line and like the whole time in the car ride, I'm freaking out. Dad's like, Yeah, now you become a man and you get to see your first rock band and it was Deep Purple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is and classic. It was it was quite funny. That night I saw the guitarist at the time of Steve Moore. He played, like he had like this guitar solo halfway through and it was just incredible. And then since then I was like, oh, I want to be a guitarist. I'm going to do that. Which like weeks after that, they bought me a guitar. And that was like the first instrument where I was like obsessed. 10 hours a day, that's all I did, guitar. 10 hours a day? Yeah, like 10 hours, like, yeah, guitar was like crazy. And then in high school, you do you do all the bands and all that sort of stuff like everyone does. You join the, the little rock band or the metal band. And I was doing that, made like a pop rock band that actually did quite well in Australia. We did Australian and New Zealand tours, tours all the time. We were playing on Australian radio. That was that was good fun. And then it, it just 
came to the end of that that whole like, chapter of my life where I realized that if you're going to do something, do it right and do it yourself. Because um, as you hear in the typical band story, some some people don't pull their weight in the other and some do. So it just wasn't working out in, in terms of the band. So when I started doing doing the solo thing and uh, I started producing just electronic music, that would, would have been about three or four years ago. Just like to start producing, nothing serious, just trying to find my feet. And then I started doing, writing some beats for other people and other groups. And it was about just over a year ago, May 2016, I was like, I'm going to do this seriously. And yeah, since then I've been doing my thing. Why were you obsessed to, with music to the point where like you weren't doing school anymore and that you were practicing 10 hours a day and that you just want to do it? I mean, is it, is it like you just feel this connection with it or, or, or why so? I can't explain why. Like, it was just like, I want to do this. And I just, I was just obsessed. Like I don't have like many interests, but if I'm interested in something, I get obsessed. Yeah. Like music, nothing was boxing. Like got obsessed with boxing recently. Like that. So I'll do like a right for like five or six hours and I'll go to the gym and do boxing for two hours, come back five or six hours. And that's like my daily routine back home in Australia. Yeah. To kind of piggyback on that one too. I, I totally know the obsession of that. Like I used to have in college, I would like mix and stuff for fraternity parties here and there and just completely got enveloped and it, like you almost completely forget like your schoolwork and the other important things because you just get so into something that you're in love with. So yeah. I, I totally feel that emotion. But I wanted to bring it back to like kind of your your music project, the lyrics that you write on all your tracks and like that you sing those. Yeah. What kind of what kind of zen do you get yourself in there? Like what's your inspiration to write all those lyrics? Because they're really, really powerful. I find that an extremely artistic part of the music outside of the production session in itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the lyrics, I have a guy who helps me compose the lyrics specifically in the melody because another funny story here, I couldn't read until I was 18. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, I could what? barely read till I was 18. Why? In, in school, you know they, they, how they get you to read in front of the class? Yes. And like every time it came to my turn to read, I was like this in the book. I was I was trying to read and everyone's like, Johnny can't read. Johnny's dumb. <laughs> he can't read. Oh, man. The English side of stuff, writing, history, that I failed. Like I was doing really bad. And the math side, I was doing pretty good because I could just be like, one, two, three, four. Okay, we're doing it like this. All right. But it turned out that when I went to go get my driver's license, I couldn't see. I just, I couldn't see. And everyone just thought I couldn't read. The fact is I needed, I needed glasses. That's it. So I got glasses when I was 18 for reading and stuff. And, and now I can, I can read. So. Oh my gosh. In terms of lyrics and stuff, I know exactly what I like and how, how to do it. My like wording and inter- interpretation isn't like really at a high standard yet like my, my music production. So that's when I met this guy called um, Joe Knott. He's incredible. He's a really good songwriter. And we work together on the lyrics and bounce ideas off and, and, and go go that way with that stuff. Yeah, that's how, that's how we come about it. And it's always based off either a story that, that we think of or something that is related to me so I can connect to it emotionally and sing a good performance from it as well. Dude, you couldn't read until you were 18 because you couldn't Barely. Sing. Like I had, I could read like, like, like a four-year-old or five-year-old. It's oh, ridiculous. man. And, <laughs> and no one could really like, put the pieces together that you couldn't see for that long? Nah, they couldn't, they couldn't tell. Like, and like, I wouldn't pay attention in class because I couldn't see what's on the, on, the, on the board. Oh, man, dude. That is so tragic. As a child, I have to go through that. It's funny, man. Like, it, just, it just like makes you who you are, I guess. Like, How did you see Deep Purple then at the concert? How did you see him? Oh, we had sick tickets. We were like, <laughs> we, were, we were like two or three rows from the front seated, and it's all seated back then because they're all all oldies that go to it. With with you working with what, what was his name, Joe Knight? Joe Knight, yeah. You guys go check him out. He's like, he's sick. Did you write promises with Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So walk us, yeah, walk us through like the process of how that looks like. Like, did he bring up concept? And- yeah. So what we what we did with promises is I write 
the music first and then I come to him with the music and he will like start bouncing themes off each other and he's like like how do you feel when you're touring like you're following your dreams and he knows I'm in a long-term relationship so he's like how do you feel leaving her like leaving her behind and all that sort of stuff and then we started basing the whole song off leaving your loved one behind to chase something else and that promise yourself to them and that's it you know what I mean that that's the meaning behind promises yeah that's beautiful stuff man Let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, with you, uh, how long have you been in this relationship for? Uh, 10 years, dude. Long time. How, how old are you? 27. Holy cow. Okay, so she was there right when you got your glasses, right? Right, right then, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Okay, so, so uh, and what's her name? Emily. Emily. So you and Emily, you've been together for 10 years. How How is it to, is she with you? In- yeah, yeah, yeah. She, oh. she, like, she comes along for the ride now, but this is like, like the start doing the solo project, uh, like the first two or three tours, I'd just go off by myself for, for, you know, like a month, month and a half and then okay. come back. It was only on the last tour where she came and did all my photography and filming and stuff, yeah. We are basing this the song from that feeling of like, especially when you get, when you're stuck in a hotel, like there was this time I was stuck in, stuck in Sydney for like a week because I didn't have to have shows in between and you just get a little bit lonely in, in the hotel and stuff. So that it's, it's about that. Cause I'm still, I'm still chasing my dreams, having a good time doing that. But, and knowing that she is not here there's that distance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Both Cole and I were married. And so to think about leaving our wives for that long for gosh, dude, even, a, even a week, even a week, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's too long. It's just too much. Right. So for the fact that you were doing it for a month, that's just like, Oh, that hurts. Yeah. You, you gotta do it that you gotta, you, you gotta do what you gotta do to get where you want to get. And then Build, build that life you, for, for both of you. For sure. And so now, so she, she comes along with you quite often now, right? Yeah. So now she does my filming and photography. That sounds like a good duo right there. Yeah. Kind of to piggyback on that, like obviously you made the big transition from Australia to the States. And so everybody kind of thinks that the producer lifestyle is the big rock star and going to the parties and all that stuff, but they don't see everything behind the curtain and all the hard work and the hours that you put in. So yeah. how has all of that kind of been put into your life in terms of family relationships, um, your friends, you know, like how has that producer lifestyle really just kind of affected your day-to-day life? You know, cause everybody else in the entire world thinks that we're just on stage jamming out with everybody, but nah. it, we really are working a j- job. So how has it kind of impacted your life it, in that way? It's, it's not for the faint hearted. Don't do this if you want that facade, unless you're obsessed like we are, then it's, it's not for you because like I've only got like a really small circle of like close friends back home. Like, I could probably count them all in my hand. That's it. And then the hours I put in is crazy. I don't do any, I don't, I, I don't even, I don't do anything else. Is that gym? And then maybe on a Saturday night, if I'm not playing a show, I'll go see a mate. That's it. And it's, it's seriously like, oh, I reckon like 14 hour days. People don't see that. They see you on stage playing shows to people that are enjoying your music. And they think, oh, what, what, what a, what a, uh, an easy ride, you know, like what these people have got. But then again, it beats nine to five, beats a day job. So in, in your career with you, with putting in all that work and everything, what has been some of the hardest things that you've had to do? Has it, has it been sacrificing things? Has it been, you know, discipline? It, it, nah, I don't find, I haven't found it hard. Yeah, it's not hard because I'm obsessed with it. I make sacrifices because I want to do it. I wouldn't make sacrifices I don't want to do. It's just that I'm so driven and, and obsessed with it that, the end goal means more to me than what I'm sacrificing. So, so, so what have you sacrificed along the way? It, it, it'd be like having a, a big group of friends. You know, you know like the, the the typical lifestyle people have. How they'll go, they'll go go to work till like five, and then they'll go meet up with their friends after work, and they have like the 
you know, a really good social life. Like I, I don't have that, but I don't care. Quite a few people that have been on the podcast um, have been very, very introverted. You seem like a quite extroverted person. You seem very fine with talking to people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, perfect. So for those of you who are introverted, the lifestyle of not seeing a lot of people as far as like on a very like personal level, this this, this is awesome. But people for like uh, you and I, and I believe Cole, you're, you're pretty extroverted as well, right? Yeah, most definitely. Perfect. So people, you know, who are like us, the best thing for us, to be honest, and I'd love to know your opinion on this, the best thing for us is to, if you want a lot of friends or if you want to know a lot of people, make it inside the industry and make it inside what you want to do. Because a lot of my friends, I, uh, most of my friends are mechanics in real life, but in, in the music industry, they're bass producers and they're mixing engineers. And, you know, it's it's you guys, you know what I mean? I mean, do you agree with that? Do you feel like, hey, if you want friends, get them inside the music industry? Definitely. Yeah, it, it makes it easier to keep them around, <laughs> but it, it's not, ne- it's not necessary either. Like my, my best mate or two of my best mates, one's, one's an electrician. The other one is owns his own solar sales company. And I've got another mate, really close mate. Who's a, who's a nightclub promoter. So yeah. And like, I kind of find that even, even like the best friends that you have, they're going to be sticking with you through thick and thin. And it doesn't matter what they do or where they are in the world. Like, you know, you're still best friends. Like one of my best friends is all the way in Florida and I'm in Texas and we're in two completely different career paths. Like it doesn't matter, but we're still, we're still best friends. So having friends in the industry as well as outside and just creating that support bubble is just going to broaden everything. So it, it is difficult at first, but I think that what you, you kind of, hit the nail on the head with having different friends and in, in all different places. And it doesn't really matter as long as your support group is there. But I wanted to ask you, like, what's probably the best advice in terms of like your music career that you received either from somebody in the industry or somebody outside of the industry. And it, and it could either be criticism or, you know, something uplifting, you know, what was probably the best thing that, that you got um, in terms of advice? I reckon that the, the best thing I've learned in for not not just music industry but in in life in general two things one is from my dad and that is being persistent just don't stop like if you don't get it doesn't matter move on he he's running his own car recycling business for the, uh, i don't know how long i don't know he's been doing it forever forever and he's just super persistent when something goes wrong he just keeps going through he just stays positive that doesn't think about the negative just Stay persistent. Keep keep hammering that nail till you get what you want to get. Another one is um is uh, work ethic. Two years ago, I was doing some stuff with a drummer called Matt McGuire, who's he's a sick drummer. I learned from him like how you got to work, and it's just nonstop. Like he, he does not stop. He you go as soon as you wake up to you go to sleep when when you can't keep your eyes open, and the whole time is go 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 go, and that's how you got to do it. That's good advice. He's a, he's a busy guy. He's doing, you know, videos on YouTube and then doing stuff for the chain smokers and, yeah. and absolutely all over the place. Yeah, he's killing it. He's killing it. You got you gotta put in the hours. Even even for his covers, I was there for one of his covers, man, and, and he he just kept going and going and going until he got it. So you bring up a good concept though that we do need to as as musicians in this industry, sorry, you do have to have a good work ethic. All right. It it has to be there or you will be snuffed out. You will be you know what I mean, you you won't stand a chance. So how do you avoid burnout and have you do you personally experience burnout? No. Uh, wow. This all comes down to the obsession. Like if, if you're obsessed about it, you just keep going. You just keep, it, it, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just something that I've got. Like I, I don't stop. And if something's in my, if, if something's in my way and brings me down, then I just move to the next project. Like if I get writer's block or something, move to the next one, just keep going. Like that's how you got to be like, 
just I feel like you, lo- you lose sense of time in itself too. Like you get so into it that like you'll look at the clock and like, oh, it's it's four in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm more the other way. I'll, I'll wake up at like seven or six and go to like twelve, sort of thing. Yeah, I'm a I'm a morning person for sure. This this is kind of blowing me away right now because you are you're the first person that has ever said that like they don't get burned out that you can just like keep going that you're a machine you can just like keep going and going and going and going like that's pretty incredible because Cole are, are you like that or do you have to take breaks I definitely have to take breaks but like I'm a lot like like Johnny I'm a morning person so like I like to get up at the crack of dawn and you know pour myself some coffee and jump right in right into what I'm doing go as long as I possibly can and lunchtime will be my break like when my when my stomach starts rumbling I need to get some food that's my break and then I jump right back in get what I need to get done but in terms of like blocking and burning out it's you just take take two seconds and then come back to it. Oh, okay. Just keep going on to the next thing. I actually think exercise is huge. Exercise is huge. Like yeah, hitting hit the gym is a big one. Massive. Oh, I'll, I'll, like like I said, like I'll go like five six hours gym, and then I I definitely take breaks. It's ridiculous to take breaks, but I okay. don't feel burnt out because I'm like you know I'll go to the gym for like an hour or two hours. But in terms of like being like I like I'll have a day where I I don't can't do it. But it doesn't never happens. Okay. Okay. That makes, okay. Then we're on the same page. Cause I'm the same way. Like in the last three years ish, I've never taken a day off to Netflix binge. It's no. a waste of time, dude. Like, it is a huge waste of time. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying, but okay. But I do take breaks. Like after, you know, a couple hours, it's like, okay, I need some food. And then, and then I'm watching YouTube tutorials while I'm getting food kind of. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then like, even with the gym, chuck in what you're working on while, while you're going for a run or anything you're referencing and, and just, Think, think of that while you're running. So you kill two birds with one stone. What has been thus far in your music career, not not only just in your electronic music career, but ever since you've started music, what has been the most emotionally satisfying thing that has happened where you're just like, holy crap, this is why I do what I do. You know what I mean? Playing to playing to crowds and sing, sing your songs back. Like I played a show in like a rural, rural town in Australia, like I didn't think anyone would know my stuff. And then these girls come up to me and start singing my song back to me. This is pretty, pretty cool. Like a place I've never been to, never even think I'd, people would even know me out there. The, the, the town's like, you know, a couple thousand people. And then these people that come out and sing the song back to me. It's pretty satisfying. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So why, why do you think that's satisfying? Because it is really, really satisfying. I just, I don't really know why it is, you know? It's just like an ego thing, like you pat in the back. Yeah. It happened to me one time. This was years ago when I mostly just did hip hop stuff, but I had someone basically rap the lyrics while I was rapping my lyrics. And there was just something about that, like taking that moment to know that someone took time out of their very precious life. Like life is extremely precious. And so for someone to take time out of that and absorb something that you've done to that, to that point, there's just something about that. That's just like, yes. And I, the, 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 the weird thing with, with this place is like, it's like a small town in like nowhere. And I've, I've never been there before. Like it's not a major city. So like the people, I didn't think people would be sharing music around like that. Like it's just, it was very, very odd. And, and these, these girls are singing the song. Like, oh, all right. On. <laughs> okay. Totally, I'll pass it back to you in just a second, Cole. From you being in, in Australia, how big is the biggest spider you've ever seen? Be at least, uh, It'd be like iPhone 7. Oh my gosh. That's a big spider. Yeah, you just get the cricket bat out and hit it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're so Australian. Cricket bat. That's so good. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is so crazy because we're speaking the same language close enough but to me like because australia is seriously like clear on the other side of the world and like the stories that i hear about this like the wildlife there and how like you're saying like your sports are so different it feels like i literally just like stuck my hand out into the universe and pulled you out of another dimension you know what i mean like it's like <laughs> it's so cool it, it really is about that different like the, the the wildlife you guys we just got poisonous stuff and that's all in like the outback do we really have crazier stuff than an australia you, you got a huge bear that's like gigantic <laughs> we don't have anything like that. that's hysterical yeah we got we got we got like a cute thing that bounces around and, and, a, and a tiny bear that sits in a tree that's all we got what's been what's been like the the biggest differences like from that change from living in australia and now living in the states like okay culturally <laughs> culturally okay um there's three things, three things that, that I like <laughs> here. Your, your tax. So you add your tax after you, you buy something. Just tell yeah. me what the thing is. Right. Serious. If it's 20 bucks and you, you want to make it 22 with tax, just tell me it's 22. Don't tell me it's 20, then get, take another two bucks at the end. It's ridiculous. Like, why do that? Another thing is your money. It's like Monopoly money. <laughs> Back home, our money is is like it, uh, I'm really I really appreciate it now because it's uh, all super colourful, straight up plastic. You put it through the wash, nothing happens to it. Yeah, that's it, nice. Yes. Oh my gosh. You've got like a one like a one dollar bill, and then your coins are like tiny. Like why? You don't even need that shit. <laughs> we need to take oh notes of this. We need to make plastic currency. Serious, yeah. dude. <laughs> and it, then the, the the third thing is for some reason your toilet water bo- like the toilet water is so high. <laughs> ridiculous that is hysterical yeah it's really high like I'm, I'm here I'm like well, have I flooded the toilet it's just so much water <laughs> in this toilet it's ridiculous that is hysterical because like I had some friends from Australia too and I did not get those three things from them that is so funny I couldn't get over it I literally thought I flooded the toilet the first time <laughs> filled to the brim with water I have no idea why you guys use so much water here it's ridiculous oh my gosh I can't breathe like that is that is so funny <laughs> Apart from that, it's really similar. Really, really similar. Like the, the, the coffee. Melbourne coffee destroys it on anything out here. A plot twist in the story. I think I've drank coffee once in my entire life. Oh. Seriously? Seriously, one time. Mo- Mormons, Mormons don't drink coffee. <laughs> Touche. Like I had it once when I was 13 and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you're not allowed to drink or you just, you just guys don't drink? Uh, so it's, it's like a part of the health code and a Mormon belief is to not drink coffee. We're like very conscientious of what we put in our body. So like we don't, we don't drink alcohol. We don't do any sort of drug. We don't do, uh, you know, no tobacco kind of a thing. And coffee is part of that. Um, some people think it's because of the caffeine. Some people think it's maybe something else, but it's just part of the thing. So, yo, I haven't drank coffee in yeah. almost 20 no what how old am i 10 years <laughs> yeah when was i born <laughs> both wyatt and i are are married and you're in a, in a very committed relationship i think that wyatt has tested some of this having his wife uh sing on some music productions are you are you comfortable with having your your significant other do stuff like that with you yet no no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I do use her ear though, like, because she's like not super into music, but she has like a decent, yeah. decent taste. So I'm just like, does it sound okay when I'm like a bit iffy about something? And if she says no, then in the trash can it goes. Come say hey. Hi, how are you? How's it going? <laughs> Good. I have a question for you. Johnny here, he's going into a very, I don't want to say uncharted industry but like kind of becoming an artist and everything like that. How do you as his, as his companion support him like that? Is, is it hard? Is it, you know, like what are your experiences that you have to go through with it? 
I think I like I've been with John since I was 16 and like I think to me there's no doubt in my mind that he will succeed and he'll do well so it's basically just like unconditional support like I've never seen someone that works so hard in my entire life has it been hard for you or has it been like nah he's he's motivated he got this Um, it was definitely hard when we were younger I guess I didn't understand things as much like when you're 18, 19. It was really different when we were younger, but I guess we were lucky that we've kind of grown up together. So like he's taught me a lot about, I guess what he was saying before, like working hard and stuff. So it was harder then, but now it's sort of normal. And because I'm working on my own business as well. So like I'm working nonstop too. So I think we just keep our eyes on the prize. That's incredible. Now that what, what you two have is actually very, 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 very special. And you should hold on to it because more often than not, it's the girlfriend doesn't want you to do it. So you end up giving up such and such or, or the boyfriend thinks, you know, is, is the boyfriend's too needy and too clingy and won't let you work. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Emily. Appreciate it. You got yeah, good to meet you, Emily. Thank you. Got a final question for you and then we'll head out. Day comes when you and Emily have a child, when that will be, who knows? So will you have a child, you go throughout your life, you enjoy your life. It's been an amazing life. And now the time has come or on your deathbed and you look over and you see that child. Let's say it's a let's say it's a daughter, all right? You guys have a daughter and you see your daughter and you want to give her just a piece of advice. You probably for whatever reason you haven't given her this piece of advice yet, but you want to give her the best piece of advice you've ever had for her to have a successful and amazing life such as yourself. What would that be? Literally the only thing I could I could give her is like just stay positive, work hard, be persistent and and Find your passion. Find your passion is the biggest thing. Like there's people that go through life, you just run through the motions and and uh, it's no way to live. Like, so find your passion. The biggest piece of advice ever that completely corresponds with what you're saying right now is just don't simply exist. The cockroach in the corner exists, all right? You're better than that freaking cockroach. Be, you know, do something, live, have a life, you know? And so that sounds like what you're saying, right? Yeah, 100%. Let's hope I've done it before then. <laughs> Johnny, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking this time to do this, man. Anytime, boys. And now here's this week's podcast version of In the Daw with Johnny Third. think of someone that's Australian you <laughs> you were the guy <laughs> so my, my um, friends in New Zealand call me a dingo like because I'm that Aussie <laughs> now I used to I used to hear him as like a sampler as well instead of and so, so you, you you drag that into the into the noise oscillator is that what you're talking about yeah, I'll make a whole sound out of the noise oscillator and not use anything else not much in this tune but mainly other tunes that I've written it's all just serum as a sampler and like I'll use just my voice for a lot of it like I remember seeing this interview with um Diplo and he's like you know anyone can recreate a synth just it's hard to recreate the tone of someone's voice so ever since I heard that I'm like alright just use my voice for everything and how does a, a track like this come together because there's Nearly a hundred or maybe even over a hundred tracks or so. So like, do you always start with the drums or always start with the bass or the, or the melody? Or? I always start with the piano. So I'll play the song, I'll write the song from start to finish on the piano. Right, yeah, from the very start, I'll just come up with like, for this it was this thing here. So I'll play that in on piano and then do the, the chord progression from that and then go back from there and start 
doing the drums and yeah, so I'll, I'll do the, the verse and the chorus, drums, and then get all that sounding good, then do the the drop, because I'll use elements from the chorus and verse in the drop, so everything it flows really nicely. Are you recording in that MIDI manually or kind of drawing it in with the piano roll? Uh, I, I'll play it. I play everything and then I'll tighten everything up. Yeah. Really quick, that 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 pluck that we were just listening to with with the with the MIDI on it and everything. What is that sound? Where, where is it coming from? That is from the M1. It's a serum M1, and then I'll layer like a contact marimba with it later on when when I need a bit more power to it. Is this just? I think it's just a preset in the M1, the Korg M1. This is just some preset. Yeah, kalimba. Like a lot of my stuff is like plucky sort of marimba kalimba vibe xylophone sort of stuff uh and then laid with it's probably just some preset that sounded good with it yeah this is just some pluck preset from uh singular sound some i've never seen someone use the m1 before i mean have you multiplier i haven't actually known strangely uh i find i've definitely definitely heard of it but yeah never seen it in, in practice yeah it's really good for like vintage sort of keys and like 80s and 90s sounds it's something that doesn't sound super modern you can see the preset and I'll, when I freeze it, I'll, I'll play it again. So you go through and you write the chord progression and then, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? That you go through, you write the chord progression and then you derive the melody from the chord progression, right? Yeah, every time. It's pretty easy to, to fall into the same habits with chord progressions. If I go the other way, if I do drums first and then the melody and then I'll, I don't know, for some reason I always stick to the same sort of same sort of chords or same sort of scales. So I, I'm making a, a real effort to make the chord progressions different in every song and use different modes and scales in every song as well. Is this one in a different mode? My songs, when they're in key of like B minor, A sharp minor, A minor, C minor, like up there where the sub sub frequencies aren't great on the lower octaves, I'll, instead of playing from the C, I'll play a mode of that scale, if that makes sense. So I'll play from the G, I play B minor, from the G, so the so the sub bass is in G, but I can sing from B minor, which my top note is a B. Dude, Does that makes sense. That is smart. You Australians, Australians, Australians. <laughs> yeah, that's just because like for me to hit the the top notes when I sing is around B, C, and B flat. So if I want those those top notes there, I will sing in B minor, C minor, or. Um, yeah, H sharp, B flat minor, but the sub bass sounds so it's got no power. And they say you want your frequencies around G, E, F, G, like that's where you want them. Song here, that's how I figured out in my head. Okay, I want to hit these notes, but the sub needs to be here. So when I play a song in this scale, I'll go from a mode instead of playing. Do you know what it actually came out being? If it was like Dorian or, or Locrian or, or something like that? I think it's Mixolydian. This is actually super cool to actually see someone in our industry using this because it's primarily the electronic music industry is minor across all genres and so to see like lydian or mixolydian and for it to still sound good because i had no idea i had no idea it was in this song this song is in a sharp minor so it'd be like i'm pretty sure like f sharp lydian i assume the vocal was your vocal in this track from the start of this year i was just i made the decision that i've got to sing on every song just because the whole like dj producer thing is really oversaturated and you've got to be like so different and so good to, to get to the top of any genre. And because I kind of started, I've only been doing this for like three years, I thought, because I can sing, I'll just sing on every track and that will be my like um, signature on everything. So what, whatever I do and, and also whatever way like trends go, I can follow that and my signature will be my voice. No, I've changed my sound completely. How long are you singing for? Singing? A while. but So I started in bands 
and I was a backup singer. So I was never like a lead vocalist or anything. I'd say like six years of singing, but it, it was never serious until this year. Okay. I never even recorded my voice until this year. Is there anything on the master, like any crazy in, intense like limiting algorithms or anything? Or? If you can say like Ozone 3 or 4, or so I suppose 3 in, in Ozone 5, that'll take quite a lot of CPU. I'll mix my stuff and then I'll bounce it out into stems and then I'll send that off to, to get stem mastered. So I'll have like pads, leads, drums, except the kick kit will be, be by itself, sub bass, and then vocals and effects and then send that off to get mastered. Who do you usually have master it? Wide Masters in the UK. They do my stuff, yeah. Just you you should check them out. They do like a lot of good acts like Galantis and stuff like that. Like, what are they called? Showtech? Yeah, I think they do them. Yeah. Walking through your open doors. <laughs> do you understand? Don't you? It's, like, it's like all the, all the fades have gone from it. Yeah. <laughs> so you hear all those like clicks and pops because in this session there's no fading in the uh, vocals. So when I finished it, I faded it and sent it off like that. But now it's got all these clicks and pops, it's kind of funny. Walking through your open. Yeah, yeah. So all that's my own vocal. How does one not have their accent come through in singing? It's actually like really easy because we listen to a lot of American music and UK music. And when you sing, you... It's really just talking really slow and all you're doing is talking really slow to a pitch and because I'm already conditioned to American accents and UK accents from from singing, not actually talking, it just naturally comes out without my Aussie accent. Also, when you sing, you don't really use your talking. You don't resonate the same place as you do talking, if that makes sense. So when I'm talking, it's more in my nose, just how I talk. And then when I sing, it's more like in my head. It's kind of hard to explain unless you know how to sing, yeah. Have you tried singing in your Australian accent? Oh, I wouldn't want to, man. <laughs> I, I sound so bad. There's some people that do, and it's, it's so cringe. It's not It's not a good accent to sing, that's for sure. Is this, um, so I, I see there's different like vocal uh, sections there. So did, did you, I take it you recorded like multiple takes and then chopped it all, all, all together? Is, is that what's going on here? I actually have like a uh, vocal writing session where I'll track the vocals um, and I'll go one line, I'll start like singing the song through and then I'll go back one line at a time and then start comping each vocal one line at a time. And then like I'm pretty OCD as you can tell from my session, but with vocals, even if one little vowel isn't right in a vocal, I'll have to go, I'll go back and do that word. So I end up doing like a thousand takes by the time it gets to the end of the vocal vocal session. How long does it take me? It depends. It might take me a, a week, I reckon. A week and doing like maybe four hours a day because after about four hours, my voice starts to get burnt out a little bit. So like for this song, it took you around 20 hours to get all the vocals recorded? Yeah, yeah, I reckon. But I, th I think a lot of that is just me being OCD and super picky. Most people wouldn't notice it, but I definitely do. And I, I couldn't put something out that I'm not 100% on. And then like with this session with the vocals, so you got your main vocal and then you do like lower octaves, harmonies, and then doubles as well. So you, you, you do like, say, the main line, you'll do the vocal down the centre and then two left and right. And then from there, you do harmonies as well. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of vocal tracking to be done. Oh, that's awesome. And so actually, uh, as, as far as like with, with creating harmonies and layers and stuff like that, that's actually something that's it's very poppy to do. And it's, it, it sounds really, really good for a reason. So basically what, what you're talking about is you'll, you'll record an entire song, right? You'll, you'll, you'll record all the, all the vocals and everything and make it sound amazing. And then what you'll do is you'll go back and record it again. You know, maybe not be as picky, but you know, basically you do an entire 
take and then you do that one more time and so you have that main one that you were very very picky on hitting right in the center and then you have the other ones whether they're like you know like full left and right or maybe like 35 left 35 right you know what i mean like kind of a thing and so that's actually really 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 good and that took me forever to understand why pop vocals sounded well there's a lot more reasons to that but as far as like spatially why pop vocals sounded so freaking good yeah man. and like what they do is they align the vocal to the main one so if you actually solo the the left and right they sound so bad but because they're aligned perfectly with the the main vocal it makes the main vocal sound better which is really odd see if i just play the dubs they sound so bad like they're horrible i know that it's not easy Did like hear that it's just so bad because it's been aligned i know that it's not easy my light is your dark it's hard to see me forever yeah, yeah, you can kind of hear it there. That's bad to you? Yeah, to me, that's, that's horrible, bro. Like, I know that it's not easy. Yeah, you can now, yeah, it sounds way better. Let's see if it works properly. I know that it's not easy. Yeah, that sounds sick <laughs> compared to like the double. I reckon singing like 90% of it's confidence. 100% that 90% of it is confidence. That's pretty awesome. Do you do, uh, I mean, do you tune your vocals at all or do pros processing? Got to, like, especially in, like, today's thing, unless you're, like, a folk singer or you're just that good, like Adele. Like, it, apparently, like, Adele, in one of, her, one of her songs, like, they didn't touch it at all. And Ryan Tedder's like, I've never seen anyone sing that perfectly in pitch in, like, 10 years. What does your tuning vocal process really look like? What do you use? How do you do it? You know what I mean? Melodon. And I'll, I'll send that off to a proper person to get tuned, like, spot on because when i try it i get like all this aliasing and, and stuff like that just because i'm not too familiar with the program and plus i think the program's pretty expensive and i've only got like melodyne 2 and not and now that's like number four or five i just can't be can't be bothered for paying the coin to get get the upgrade yeah okay so you actually send it off to someone and they tune it for you yeah 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 someone who like does it for a living i think it's would do a better job with the vocals than what i would is it pretty reasonable price it'd be like 30 bucks us it's like nothing if you want to like put that money into your track and have it to be the best of it that it can be I think you should do it. I remember Rob Swire in an interview saying he doesn't like to basically work on his own vocal because um, he, he almost can't se separate the, the fact that his vocal from his, his mixing process. So yeah, I, I suppose the question is, how do you find mixing and working with your vocals? Do you find it perfectly okay or is it a bit weird? Or? Yeah, I like consciously have to turn it up. Everyone who mixes their own vocals always makes it too quiet in the mix. And I still, I feel like with this song, the, the vocals are like a touch too quiet and it could be because I'm not separating myself enough when I'm mixing down it's just, it's just it's just something that all vocalists do when they're mixing their own tracks is that it's the vocals are always too quiet because you're a little bit shy about it and I don't know I don't know why that is but that's the, that's the, the main thing you just got to consciously just turn it up keep turning it up because the way I like it is way too quiet well I suppose also in terms of mixing um do you, do you tend to start with the vocal and then mix everything around it or do you tend to put the vocal in after everything else is mostly in place vocal after vocal after because I like the vocal to sit on top and not like in it, if that makes sense. So you'll go through and you'll produce literally the entire thing and then go back and sing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my writing process is kind of like, it's kind of weird and it's, and it's a long process too. So I'll write a song, start to finish, put the vocals on top and the vocals might actually change the way the song feels. So I'll rewrite the song again after to, to match the vocals like perfectly like this song is completely different this is like the fourth version of this song like the, the first version didn't have a drop so how often do you have to go back and change the song once you put the vocals in this is like the second second time so the second song i've done my vocals the other one's not out yet where i've gone back and gone nah let's redo the whole song 
because mm-hmm. I, I like the vocals, but the, the song's just not not on point. The other two that are out with my vo- voice on it, they they're like first time I got, got the track done, start to finish, put the vocals on it, and then it was it was done. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So on those ones, it was more so like you put the the vocals on. It's like, hey, this is sounding really good. There's no reason to go back and rewrite it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Okay, that's that's nice because that sounds like a really emotionally draining process to create a song, go back and record vocals, and then you're like, ah, okay, let's make another song on top of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it just depends. Like the other songs, I had a very clear idea coming into it, like how I wanted everything to be, and this one I was kind of like, just just go with the flow. And I kind of found like that, not, not having a clear idea of what I wanted the song to sound like start to finish before I started the song, yeah. How long would, would a track like this take? Remember uh, saying the, the vocal would take a while. This track took ages. It, it's like this track is really simple. Like when you break it down, there's not much to it, but it took a long time just because of the rewriting process. Usually a song for me to like, like start to finish complete would be like a month of work but within that month I'm doing other songs and uh, vocals for other things but you, I can get a song sounding like finished within a month I reckon. Do you find you have to leave like a week or two gap to almost hear it with fresh ears again or are, are you pretty good at Definitely when it comes to mixing so I'll do everything and then I'll come back like a uh, couple days later and mix again and then that's it. We could go on these vocals forever because they're amazing they're really like they're they're absolutely incredible I am really intrigued with your uh, with your drop and then the sound design that went into that. You're right if we check that out. Yeah, let, let's let's see how we go with that. Drums are all this all the green. See a lot of cymatics. I'm very proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of a good tip for people who are using loops: is re-chop them up, use it like find a, a loop that you like the the timbre of the stuff in it. And then start chopping it up and make it make it your own, so people can't pick it out, sort of thing. Like I just use a hi hat loop. So yeah, I, I chopped it so it fit fit the song instead of just slapping it on. Another thing you, you can do is repitch it as well. I think, and and then it's, it sounds like a new loop. So that's, that's kind of what I do when I use loops or different loops is, is I'll, I'll screw with it so it sounds fresh again sort of thing and, and matches my song. Personally, I think that's a very healthy way to use cymatic stuff, you know, because there is this big debate. Can you use loops? Can you use presets? Uh, should you not? Should Use use loops. Like, a hundred, dude, I used to write songs where I, where I would get a hi-hat and an open hi-hat. It's so time-consuming and there's no need for it. The only person who's going to care is yourself and the people that you make the music for could not care less if it's a cymatics loop or if it's if you made every single bloody hit you, you recorded a, a, a hit from your pots and pans and put that in they don't care so with this sort of stuff where no one's gonna know it takes up a lot of time i reckon just do whatever's quick you know whatever's quickest and whatever sounds good to you as well down to the chords that's that's all here so what i'll do is From memory, this one actually has sample in the noise oscillator. See if it works. And did you just do that pitch bending inside of Serum? I do that within the MIDI. Yeah, within the MIDI. So then you copy the MIDI and it's all, all the same. So sometimes we'll build a sound from scratch. Sometimes I'll find a preset and alter it. And yeah, but this one I, uh, I did, I can't remember what I did but I know that I put this vocal sample in the noise oscillator. So see, these are all my noises. This is like yeah, how I make everything. See all these noises? This is incredible. Yeah. Let's see if I can just follow that noise. Yeah, you can hear that? It's like, it's just a vocal sound. Uh-huh. 
And that's just your voice. Yeah, it's just my voice. So what, what I do is I use my voice and I run it through the same processing as the chords. So the vocal sample is like um, perfectly the same as the chords in terms of like modulation. Yeah, and then and then like with this one, you then add the oscillators on top, and everything is like in sync in terms of modulation and effects and all that. And so you get different sounds. Let's check out some of the other layers. Yeah, dope. All right. Uh, time to freeze you. It's cool. The I, I guess I've never actually seen people freeze stuff in Logic before, but so you just press that button right there and then you press space. Yeah, it just freezes it. Yeah. I see you have Ableton. Do you use Ableton very much? Yeah, I use it for um, my live set. I've tried producing in it, but there's a few things that are missing from it. I just can't can't live without. Like I'd, I'd love to get to convert to live, but like just because like collaborations and stuff would be so much easier, but I just can't like I, there's no, there's no like proper mixing window in it, and it drives me absolutely insane. See, like in Logic, you see literally everything that's on every channel at the same time. If I had that in Ableton, I'd probably use it, but like I just get way too confused. There's a weird little Max for Live hack, but it's really clunky, so almost nobody uses it. Yeah, you yeah, just add that window, and then yeah. have like the whole market. There is a there's actually a way to do that, but it's you actually have to go in and tweak the code. I've seen people do it. I've seen people do it with the Max for Live, and like like they because they built it in, but it's not active unless you go in and tell the code to make it active, which is like... Why would they do that? So silly. Adam, do you know? You're, I feel like you're well-connected with Ableton. Don't, although I have a feeling the Ableton guys are constantly like arguing in in their development team. It's, obviously, they kind of built it in, but they didn't fully build it in. So it's almost like they didn't... Well, I, I kind of feel like it's almost like the people designing the architecture built it in, but then maybe the, the interface guys didn't want it there or something. So it was kind of there, but not really looking pretty. But yeah, I... I can't see them not putting it in the next version or two because it's it's one of the most re- re- yeah pretty much is the most requested re- feature at this stage yeah it's looking better for the next version too so I'll I'd 100% move over if they had that screen where I could just see everything that's going on because I, I was getting like halfway through a track I'm like I have no idea what I've done I just don't know. <laughs> is there any other features that you wish that live had? This is fun. I, lo- I love these kind of conversations. No, because they, they, they whatever I can do in live, I can do in here, except for like on the live performance side, like the MIDI mapping, it's just way easier in live. You can do it in Logic, it's just you can't be bothered with it. So I, that's why I use live for the live stuff. And yeah, and like with the, with Logic, like when you use their EQs, all this stuff comes up. So you just know exactly what you've EQ'd and what you haven't and where you EQ'd it. If you use Logic's compressors, a little like gain reduction bar comes up to show you what's happening, but I don't use their compressors because I don't like the the way they're laid out. So I don't use that feature. I do enjoy using Ableton more. The visual feature of Logic kind of has the upper hand right now for for the reasons exactly what you just said. Yeah, you can literally do do everything um, like production wise in both. It's just different different ways of doing it, and I don't find the workflow any slower or quicker in Ableton. I, I just think that it just takes getting used to when you're, you're quick at Logic or you're quick at Ableton. It's, sure. it's no no real difference. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hop into this other uh, this other chord we got going on here. All right. Sweet. Oh, really quick before we do, uh, is everything like so? You have these these four different patches right here. I think yeah, four. Are they all playing the same notes or or what's going on here? These uh, these three here are playing the same notes. As they dif- they're different patches. This one is a lower octave of that one. I'm just to fatten it up. So let's see how this one goes. So 
So this one just like gives the whole chords a little bit more top end. And I'm sure this is just a, a patch that I've altered. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's probably this, it's the, actually it's the exact same one as before, just without the noise oscillator and the EQ is doing a little bit different stuff. That's it, it's the same thing. Yeah, that's pretty much the same as that, just without the vocal and the noise oscillator and the EQ is just modulating a little bit differently. This is like the main sound, I'm pretty sure. Let's let it freeze again. For those watching who don't understand, why do you layer things? What What is the purpose of layering? Why isn't just one patch good enough? Sometimes you just can't get enough like of certain characteristics out of one patch. So you layer things that complement each other and that fill the holes that other patches don't have. And also on top of that, to add something unique. So if there's something that like to these chords, I felt like the little vocal chop made it a little vocal uh, sample just made it a little bit more unique because a sore chord is not very unique anymore. Yeah, dope. So this is just another chord. Everything has the same LFO, like they're, they're exactly the same. So everything's moving the same in each patch, which is really important, I reckon, for like a really tight chord sound and, and to make every patch sound as like one instrument instead of, you know, four patches sounding like four different instruments playing four different. It just sounds way tighter. There's nothing really too special about this. A little bit of distortion. I didn't realize I did that. I had delay within the patch. I never usually use delay within patches. I use it as a send usually. Yeah, so this is what I was talking about before with the mode. See how like the chord starts in the F, uh, F sharp. So your, your sub frequency starts on F sharp and then instead of being in the, the root, which is the A sharp. Yeah. Oh, that's super. yeah. So I do that. And then this one is the exact same patch, just an octave lower just to fill out the bottom end a bit more because all have got a lot of top end to it, not, not, enough, not a lot in the mids and, and bottoms. If I remember correctly, when I was listening to this song, it sounded like your sub was moving a lot. Like there was a lot of movement to it as far as like pitch wise is it following the same pitch bend as what's going on in here and that's what i can hear yeah i think so i'll, I'll, I'll go up and check this up yeah that was actually something that really intrigued me yeah yeah no it's the exact same i can just tell yeah it's the exact same movement the sub is exactly the same and then i'll do this part here is just like a pitch bend and three notes that aren't in this chord progression so that, that it just fills out the space. I actually think Boombox did that a lot. I think that's where I got it from, yeah. Boombox Cartel, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a pitch bend um, of two semitones, did, did I see? Yeah, I either do two semitones or I'll do like 12. They're, they're the best sounding ones to me. Right. When it comes to like a full chord bend, because yeah. if you start doing other things, you, you start going like way out of, out of key and way out of the scale. Yeah. You, you've got quite a lot of tracks here, and like, is, is it kind of consciously color coded, or I, I suppose how do you keep organized in a, a project like this? One hundred percent, man. Everything's color coded. So this, so in this, like the drums are just green, subs, dark blue, bass is blue, pads and uh, keys, that sort of stuff is purple, and then all my leads are green, like like blue, aqua sort of thing. Then ambience is there, yellow vocals dark purple yeah so you, everything's blocked out like that and that's how i'd probably stem it out as well can't remember how i did it with this one but yeah i'll, I'll stem it all that out all that all that all that yeah is that the same for every track so you know without thinking that say green is i, I do the colors like based on the emotion of the track if the track's more aggressive i'll have more reds in there it's, it's very weird <laughs> it's like yeah, when i write <laughs> yeah, when i write i kind of like see colors like when i listen to the music I see, I see colors as well so i'll just go off what the colors i'm kind of seeing and feeling as I write or listen to something, yeah. Is that like overwhelming to see colors as well? Nah, it's, it, nah, that's, that's just normal to me, yeah. Like, when I hear a song, I go, oh, that's, that, that, hit, that sounds purple, or that sounds red, that sounds blue, yeah. Oh, okay, I okay, I see what you're saying. No, I, I agree, because like when I listen to Future Bass, I, I do hear purple, and when I listen to like Dubstep, I hear green personally, but... Yeah, it's, it's just, that's, that's all it is. It's not like I'm hearing a song and all I see is purple, and I can't see anything else. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, have you seen your doctor yet? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're back in time writing this song and you're with yourself. You're writing this song. You're like, whoa, dude, this is me. I'm writing this song. Maybe I can give my old self some advice to make this songwriting process go better. What would you tell your old self to avoid, to do different, to make the entire songwriting process go better? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of silly, but I wouldn't change it. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't interrupt it. Yeah. I think that like every process you go through is, is just specific to what the end product's going to be. So you have to go through those writer's blocks, all those moments of frustration to, to make something good at the end. Like it was like some, some of it was hard. Like I definitely had like writer's block in there for a bit, but you got to go through those things if you want something great out of it. So I don't think you should go back and change something to make it easier. Just, just work hard and get through it. When you get like writer's block or you spend like three hours working on it and it's just not really flowing, do you have any like tips or strategies you use to kind of over overcome the problems? Do you like take a break or do you just keep pushing through? Writer's block is funny. People see it as like a really bad thing. And I think it's, it's a good thing. I think I, anything that nothing good comes easy. So when you hit those writer's blocks, it's going to be frustrating, but just work through it. And I, I work through it. I won't stop. Like people say stop. Just, I just know it's part of the process and I'm going to be angry for a couple of days, but when it clicks, everything will come together and I know the end product will be good just just based on that struggle. I think yeah, anything that's good is not going to come easy. So you just got to work hard and just keep pushing through it and then you will have something amazing at the end. And then finally, would you like our feedback on the song? Dude, of course. You might already do this, but I think it's really, really cool for you to try. As far as feedback to make this song better, I don't really have any. I actually think you did a really, really good job. Like I think the vocal processing was amazing. I didn't realize at first that that was your vocals. And so like my hat is off to you. I'm not wearing a hat, but my hat is off to you. My top hat is off to you. It's in the corner. Really, really good. I do. And this is kind of a trendy thing. This is kind of a take this advice as you will. I have found that the sound of like those those future bass chords and like the little wobbling stuff was like that have become less interesting to me. I've just, you know, I've heard them so much. You know what I mean? But that also comes back to if you is Johnny third just truly loves in his heart the sound of those chords then I have no right to tell you not to do that you, you see what I'm saying I think it's more so I think it's more so just for you to be aware that like hey you know on a business standpoint a lot of people not I don't know about a lot of people but people are starting to get bored of this certain type of sound how can I how can I throw my Australian spice into it and make it you know can I layer it with a didgeridoo have you ever tried that that sounds pretty cool yeah didgeridoo sounds sick they're really cool so like, you know, like just something like that, just to keep it in mind. That was literally like the only thing in the entire song that I wasn't like, wow. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah, totally, I, I agree a hundred percent, man. Like it's kind of funny. You said that like when I first, like another version of it had no cause like that. It's kind of like, like the end product. I'm kind of like, let's just make something a little generic and just see how it goes. And I did that. And it's been like my best received song yet. So it's like, maybe I should do more generic stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, even if it's generic, even if it's not generic, if you like it, that's what's important. I mean, do you like it? Do you like how it sounds and how it is? I, I love the song, yeah. But I, I 100% agree with, with the whole core thing. It's beaten, beaten half to death. So, you know, let's, let's try some new stuff on the next records. <laughs> Just one thing I've been playing around with myself that could be cool for your track. I don't know if it's your style or not, but, uh, you know, you hear those really fast arpeggios in uh, Future Bass and stuff where it's like, I don't know, like a 16th or a 32nd or like a 16th triplet or something. Um, if, if you do the arpeggio, but instead of using a synth, you use like a vocal sampler. I don't think enough people do, and especially because you can record really good vocals of your own voice. Yeah, I think it'd be a really, really cool. Because yeah, certainly kind of big, 
big picture you've, you've been able to do really really like uh, good, good vocals I think it's, and the songwriting as well I think as well. so it's the, the vocals more specifically your big advantage over most people um, so yeah kind of the more you can focus on that I think the, the better really awesome. yeah that's, that's, that's good yeah thanks man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's been dope I'd yeah. love to do it do it again and, and miss it out <laughs>